You're listening to the Team Check-In, powered by Team Black. Welcome to another episode of the Team Check-In. And surprise, surprise, I'm not speaking by myself alone again. Today with me, I have the one, the only, Rebecca Ives. Uh, hi, Rebecca. How are hi. you doing today? Hi. <laughs> uh, as well as being a dog person, she also happens to be uh, an HR consultant for a whole bunch of people. So today she's going to tell us all about it. So Rebecca, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Yep, sure. Um, so yeah, I'm Rebecca. I live in the north of England in Yorkshire. Um, so apologies if my accent is a bit strange. Um, I will try to um, speak clearly. Um, yeah, I've worked within HR for over 15 years now, almost 20 um, years. Um, I fell into HR. It wasn't something that I was destined to do, not when I was in school and think I really want to get into HR. It just happened. Um, so I fell into HR and I've been in it yeah, for almost 20 years now. Um, I've worked in various organisations, both locally in the UK. I've worked over in Ireland um, and I've also worked at a global level um, for different organisations in different sectors. So a breadth of experience. Yeah, I feel like more often than not, people don't set out with just right. HR in their mind. Well, maybe now they do, but I mean, mm -hmm. I didn't start the same way as well. So you just happen to find yourself as a part of HR. So how, uh, so what was the plan and how did you end up in HR? The plan initially was to be a teacher. <laughs> Which actually some have been some of the skills have been transferable with delivering learning um, interventions and so forth and being comfortable in speaking. But yeah, that was the initial plan. <clears throat> but I came out of university. I needed a job. Um, so I searched for a job. I was working as an admin assistant, which was in a HR department. Um, and luckily for me, the HR manager at the time, he was due to retire within a couple of years. So he was very happy to hand over as much as possible to me. Then they sponsored for me to do my professional qualification um, within HR, my postgrad qualification. And I was just enjoying it. I was enjoying the lots of different things that you can get involved in. It wasn't just one thing. Every day was different. Um, so that's what I really enjoyed there. But yeah, I was extremely lucky. I think with that opportunity um, and especially, yeah, my, my mentor um, who was due to retire. Yeah, uh, do you know what I used to do before I got into a job where I constantly speak about HR? No, no. Tell me, tell me. Teaching. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I, I myself, I used to be an English teacher. Yeah, I was an English teacher and I bounced around between age groups. I did middle school, I did high school, and then I got thrown into first grade, which is which was just something on its something just <laughs> in and of itself. Uh, first day of teaching first grade, I go and I start teaching the way I normally do. I write a whole bunch of stuff on the board. Mm -hmm. I go on and on and on. I go, oh no, they don't know how to read yet. 
Yeah, I just look, I just see like a bunch of blank faces staring at the board, <laughs> petrified. Yeah. So uh, did, you ever, needed. did you do a lot of, did you try teaching before? The, before I did. So as part of my degree at university, um, it was a four year degree and the third year you could choose a placement. So whether you wanted to do a work placement um, or so forth, um, I decided to go and teach that so I was teaching English um, in France. Um, oh, in the north okay. of France, because um, my degree was in French, um, which <laughs> I haven't really used since. Um, but yeah, that was my third year of university. So, you know, what was I, 20, 21 then? I was teaching English to 15 to 18 year olds. That's again, that, that that's just something else. Um, then I decided, no, teaching is not for <laughs> me after that experience. Great experience. Well, I just like, no, not for me. But now, uh, I mean, now that you're in HR, after you've been in a classroom with, you know, 15 to 16 year olds, there is nothing a boardroom can throw at you. No, no. Right? No, no, um, definitely not. So, so yeah, great experiences really, really set me up. But I thought, no, um, not the teaching aspect in, in schools. That just wasn't for me. <laughs> Uh, but any skills that you feel like were transferable from teaching to human resources? Definitely. I mean, just being able to stand up in front of a classroom and being able to convey your message as to what you're trying to get across and having the confidence to do that. Mm -hmm. That was something I, I'm, I'm very much an introvert, I would describe myself. So being forced into that situation and having to do that with what? <clears throat> 15 to 20 children in a room with then them asking lots of questions. I didn't fully understand the language as well. So then you've got the language barrier that Ooh, French yeah. is their native and English is my native language. Um, so that, as you've mentioned there, transferring that into a boardroom or with senior stakeholders, they don't have as silly questions as school children do as a 15 year old does um so it's like yeah throw all the questions at me but having that confidence to yeah be like well this is what I'm here to say this is my message this is uh -huh. how I'm going to convey it and yeah you you will listen to me um and yeah let's have a discussion around that so definitely that as a transferable skill yeah uh a lot of the time what people don't realize is no matter where you are and no matter which crowd you're speaking in front of it's a performance, right? It is, yeah. it's a gig, it's a performance. You're, yes. you're fighting for someone's attention span and those attention spans are getting lower and getting shorter by the day. And yeah, I mean, nothing, when you're a teacher, you do that for like so many times a day, just over and over and over again. Yeah, there are some, definitely some like very transferable skills. To get my first ever teaching gig, they, they told me like, do you have any experience? I said, well, I used to just perform in bars and that's like all the crowd experience I have. Somehow they hired me so for some reason. <laughs> they decided, yep, this is the guy we're going with. <laughs> so uh, quick question, uh, HR or people and culture? HR is people and culture. There you go. It is. Okay. I, I, I actually don't I, like, I like the term. I like how that sounds. Yeah. Human resources 
humans are not resources and and i know that's just a generic term um and and when i started out in hr it was personnel um i was the personnel officer um at the time so so some of the terminologies um do change over the years yeah hr but human resources it's people people and culture that's what i think underpins everything that we do within the hr world i feel like that is the better Term, but HR is like the term has been around for so long and it just well flows off of the tongue. Yes. Uh, but I mean, I, uh, a previous guest on the show were a couple, Tara Furiani and Justin Boggs. They have a podcast called Not the HR Lady. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole thing started from uh, Tara, who was, I believe, was a chief people officer. And someone referred to her as Oh, the HR lady. And she just took that personally and ran with it. Yeah. I love that. So, uh, but you don't have, and that's part of the reason I really wanted to talk to you on the show. I mean, we already had this conversation off the record, but I can't, that's, this is kind of the, one of the reasons I really wanted you on the show. Uh, You're not following a very conventional HR path right now. I mean, you followed it beforehand, but you are currently freelancing HR. Mm-hmm. And usually when you say the word freelance, you think about copywriters and designers. And yeah, I started off freelancing for Team Fleck before I was recruited full time, but that was just me writing blog articles and filming some stuff. Uh, freelancing HR is a bit more unconventional. And I just want to wanted to ask, how did that whole thing start? So, very good question. Um, so, yeah, my HR career has been, <clears throat> excuse me, quite traditional, as you said. Mm-hmm. So, starting as HR admin, HR officer, HR manager, and so on and so on. Um, I realised quite early on um, when I was thinking my longer term career ambitions. So, when your manager asks you, where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years and so on? And I forced to think, and I always knew I wanted to be more independent. So I knew mm-hmm. I wanted to be freelance and an independent HR consultant ultimately in my career. Mm-hmm. As to when that would happen, mm-hmm. I, I, I did not know. Um, so yeah, with my last permanent role, I was with that company for over 10 years, so a whole decade. Um, I started with them in my late 20s um, and then left them when I was reaching my 40s. Um, so yeah, I was with them for a very long time. Um, I decided to leave. It was a very long tenure. Um, I'd come to the end of my journey with them. Um, I took a few months out, um, concentrated on a lot of things with my dog and reflected back and lots of nice holidays and climbing mountains and things, which was amazing. Um, Then it came to January. I was like, right, I need to look for a new job. So I started putting myself out there. I dusted off my CV. I was interviewing for permanent roles, for contract roles. I was very open. Um, And then it was the power of LinkedIn. So I put on LinkedIn, hey, guys, I'm open for work. Um, Ideally, I would want a contract or a consultant type role. Mm -hmm. And it was my contacts that came through. 
um, some guys that I had worked with in my previous organization. So over 10 years ago, they'd set up their own startup type firm. Um, so they were the founders of a new organization <laughs> and they needed HR people, practices and processes to be built from the bottom up. And they said, do you want to come along and do that? Yeah, sure. That sounds amazing. Um, I can be in control of my own work. I can develop things and build things for them right from the ground up. Mm. I set up my own company, Rebecca Rives HR Consultancy Limited. And that was <laughs> almost two years ago. That's awesome. And how many companies are you working with right now? Two. I have two. And they're quite similar in regards to I, I call them startups they're not startups but they're at the start mm. of their HR journey um so they're mm. very much growing their permanent team so need some of the basics of HR um built for them and uh how was the experience you know I'm not gonna say juggling because like I know you're not like juggling that <laughs> I know you're like I mean, if you had more, uh, I know like you wouldn't take on two companies if you like didn't have like enough time for all of them. But how do you like compartmentalize your brain working at like implementing HR in two different places? Because I know if I was, I tried writing for uh, two separate companies, Team Flect and Screen Rant at the time. One of them was just full on performance management, uh, managing remote teams, et cetera. And the other one was, hey, which Avenger are you? So <laughs> they were two separate. And at the end of the day, I said, okay, I'm not going to be able to do like focus on like the screen and stuff too much. So how do you compartmentalize working HR for like two separate organizations? Yeah. Um, so you mentioned juggling. It feels like juggling sometimes. <laughs> it, it really does. Um I think one of the main things I have my set days so that for mm -hmm. me it's not a case of oh I do an hour here and an hour there I have my set <clears throat> excuse me days of working because yeah I need to know today I'm going in to work for this company um uh -huh. and and this is what I I'm I'm doing um yeah I mean HR is HR however the people are different, the culture is different, and the business strategy is different. So that's the juggling. Um, and what that's else something, is there? Yeah, uh, because quite often I see, and this was something I was quite apprehensive about being freelance, mm -hmm. and what I've seen other HR consultants do is like, oh, we need a new career and performance process. Pick it up. There you go. There it is. And I'm like, no, 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 no. What's the business strategy? What are you trying to achieve here? What's your culture? What type of people do you have? What demographics mm -hmm. do you have? Mm -hmm. Right. Once I understand that, now let's look at your career and performance. So it's building purpose built people, processes and practices. So I think that helps. So then when I'm thinking of the first company or the second company, it's like I know who they are. I know their business strategy. I know their culture. So then quite easily. Oh, yeah. I'm wearing this hat today. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it is a it is as personal as it gets. Yes. I, when you're I, like, I'm not going to oversimplify other departments because there are in, there are probably intricacies to other departments that I can't I can't possibly wrap my head around. But uh, when you're trying to build 
HR from the ground up with multiple organizations, it is just way too personal. It is yes. too personal, a whole bunch of people. And there has to be some uh, like process of getting to know them. I was just about to use the word flirting. <laughs> but mm -hmm. Business like flirting. The, yeah, exactly, <laughs> business flirting, just like the early days of a romance, you know, learning the learning their favorite tea or learning their favorite food and then remembering the important anniversaries, their parents' names, just slowly yeah. just building that base. So how is, uh, when you're joining, a, let's say, startup, how is, uh, what are the steps you take when you're implementing a new HR system? Um, so one of the first things I always like to do is understand them. So I'm very much in mm -hmm. listening mode, the, the strategy, what are you trying to achieve? Okay, some of the basic statistics I'm looking for is your permanent headcount growth and what does the team look like and so on, um, as well as the commercial aspects. Um, so that's always a listening exercise. Then very quickly, I like to do a HR health check. And so I have a template that I've always used. It's been very successful um, and it's to go through all different stages of the HR lifecycle, right from recruitment, onboarding, um, to then to learning, development, retention, performance, offboarding and so on. Um, and it's asking questions to the key stakeholders. Um, so usually the executive directors, the founders of the organisation, right? What's your level of maturity? Firstly, mm -hmm. so how mature do you believe you are in these certain areas? But then the second question is, how important are these areas to your business? So mm -hmm. then I can quite easily come up with a matrix to say, OK, the ones that are high importance and lowest maturity, that's where we need to focus first. Um, so a perfect example of the companies that I've, I've worked for when I was at the start of the journey with them, they were very much in attraction mode. So attracting mm -hmm. new um, members into the team, they needed a benefits package. So mm -hmm. straight away, it was like, right, let's go over there and concentrate on that. There was no point at that time concentrating on performance. So they didn't have, they had one or mm -hmm. two permanent members of the team. So yeah, so the health check to really look and take that step back. How mature are you? But what's important in line with your business strategy? And that's the areas of HR that we'll focus on first. That's that's brilliant. And when you're doing the health check, are there any like common red flags that you notice and you go like, okay, well, okay, first we need to address that. I mean, that's not good. Um, sometimes the perception of how what they think their maturity level might be. Um, mm -hmm. So I do a two-pronged approach. I have a template that they reflect and they look through and they fill it in themselves. But then I interview them and each as an individual, not as a group, because I don't want the collective mm -hmm. view. Ultimately, I will get the collective view. Um, red flags aren't usually then as to how they rate themselves. It's probably differences between the stakeholders. So then very quickly, you can start to say, OK, I understand where your priorities are versus the other founder of the company. And that's quite an interesting discussion then to be like, all uh -huh. right, which area are we focusing on first? And that's then just stakeholder management and yeah, yeah, figuring out what individual priorities are. And 
I'm there for the company priorities, not the individual mm-hmm. ones. So that for me, not so much a red flag, but more something that needs to be managed quite well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, then, I mean, the easiness or the difficultness of your job depends entirely on those stakeholders and just what kind yes. of managers or leaders they are. Like if they if they both like compromise and if they have a he- healthy discussion, then I guess your life becomes a lot easier. Yes, definitely, definitely. I can mind that. And uh, so you and I met because you are using uh, our product, TeamFlect, with some of the organizations you're working with. Yes. And we did a small success story together, which is coming out soon, and it's going to be beautiful. And you told me that you were using TeamFlect for uh, probation periods. Correct. Uh, in one of the organizations. Now. Uh, I recently filmed a YouTube video for the Team Fleck YouTube channel on just basics and essentials of probation periods. And I have to say, I have a pet peeve against the word probation. I just, <laughs> I don't, I just, I don't think it belongs. It's just, it has such negative connotations. Yes. It's, it's a bit like you hear it and you go like, nudge, nudge, you're on thin ice. Yes. Hey, watch your back. And like when I, when I was in that situation, I'd go, you know how hard it was to get this job? And now for the per- next three to six months, I'm going to be just walking on eggshells. Yeah. So the word probation, what is a word from the criminal justice system? What is it doing uh, in the workplace? So uh, what are your thoughts on some of the key aspects of probationary periods and just or uh, someone I interviewed, Amy Brand, once that told me they changed the name and they called it a settling in period, which is okay, nice. Which 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 is nice, which is a lot nicer. So, what are your thoughts on probation periods and just some of the best practices to be followed during those times? Yeah, I agree with you. The term it's similar to the term of HR, mm-hmm. referring to people as resources, and it's like no, um, it doesn't sit well with me. But yeah, it's it's a known industry term. And I think straight away the word, and as you said there, comes from the criminal justice system, straight away it makes you think that the power is with the employer, with the company, not the employee. Mm -hmm. Whereas actually, and something I've tried to do um, with the companies I've been working with recently, is it's a period of mutual evaluation. Mm -hmm. Equal. It shouldn't be employer employee and that's typically I think why employees are treading on eggshells they think they're on thin ice they think they Mm -hmm. have to jump through Mm -hmm. hoops whereas actually the probation from an employment contract perspective Mm -hmm. the employee has the power to say hey this company is not for me this isn't working out I'm going to fail the probation um Mm -hmm. So that's something I've really tried to instill. That it's that period of mutual evaluation. And the whole aim of the probation is to increase the probability that the employee will succeed. Mm-hmm. They've already been through a rigorous recruitment process, you would hope. Um, so now it's letting them learn about the organisation, start to understand the culture, the values, the way things happen around here and make sure they're going to succeed after their three months, their six months, or whatever it might be. Um, 
So key things, because um, I've seen probations done well and I've seen them mm -hmm. being done not so well um, over my experience. Um, number one, I think, is the regular check-ins. And that's mm -hmm. not just the manager giving feedback to the employee. That's the other way. And something we built into the team flex probation reviews was some nice open questions. How are you feeling? How would you rate your experience so far at the company? Whereas typically you only get the ratings from the manager to the employee. So I've tried to switch that round that it's more equal. Um, so the check-ins with open conversations with some, some, some nice questions on both sides. Secondly is feedback, honest and constructive feedback, two way, not just one mm -hmm. way, up as well. What do you think of this organization? Is there anything we need to do to improve your experience here? Have you got all the tools that you need to do your job effectively? Those types of questions. So check-ins, feedback. And then the third one, and I think something that generally happens in probation is people, the company, the managers assess technical capability. Mm -hmm. Technical capability can be taught. I could put you in a classroom and teach you whatever it might be. Um, it's the cultural fit with the values. So the assessment I really see that the company is doing with the employee is, right, this is our values and this is mm -hmm. what the behaviours I expect you to demonstrate and this is how you are demonstrating them on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so focus on culture and values rather than technical capability. All right. And if you want to manage your probation period as effectively as Rebecca does, you might want to give the best onboarding software in the Microsoft Teams ecosystem, TeamFlect, a try. If you want to schedule a free demo with TeamFlect, you can always click the link in the description. Okay, you set me up beautifully. I had to sneak <laughs> one in there. But to but, be fair, but, that's where TeamFlect has been great. With the check-ins, yes. like the check-ins, like just leaving it to the manager. Everyone's very busy. That three months or six months can fly by. So having yeah. auto reminders, having a template of the types of questions and everything that it's just all automated and there's a log of it. So I'm very much with my compliance and HR legal hat on. You need to have a record of these types of conversations just in case Definitely. stuff doesn't work out. Definitely. Definitely. Um, that's where a tool definitely helps. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, I mean, this, it's just really nice to hear all that. <laughs> and yeah, uh, what you said about uh, technical proficiencies and cultural fit, I think that is the essence of it. Like you said, technical skills can be taught, but if a bunch of people are not working well together and they're not going to enjoy working together, that is often a lot harder to fix. Yes. And you can't yeah. teach that. Yeah, you can't. You can't. No way. Uh, one thing that is uh, really strange about probation period durations is, you know, three to six months. Well, normally when you start working s somewhere, problems don't really rear the their head until like after the first five or six months anyway. Yeah. It is kind of using the same relationship analogy. It is kind of the honeymoon phase. Yeah. You're, you're getting to know your responsibilities. Oh, look, a bunch of new people. 
And when you're meeting people for the first time, they're always nice and you're always your best self. You're not showing like those little bad habits as well. So the first six months are often always like smoother sailing than the next six. So uh, those regular check-ins and constant just reminders on, hey, let's talk, hey, uh, let's get to know each other better. I think that that is the reason why they're so important. You just want to cram as much uh, just getting to know each other as possible into those six, like first uh, three to six months. Mm. And what are some of the like common mistakes people make with uh, probationary periods? Um, I think going back to my initial point, they think it's purely an assessment from the company to the employee. Yeah, 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 yeah. That mutual evaluation and and. I've never seen any company that actually sit down and say, well, this probation, it's for you as well as the employee. Uh (laughs) If you decide that this, because we might have, I don't know, in the recruitment process, some companies like to sell the dream. Um, Mm -hmm. I I call it and say, yeah, come and join us. This is the role and we're an amazing company and these are our values and it all looks rosy. Then you get in. A lot of this. Yeah. A lot of just patting themselves on the back. Yeah. Then you get in and you get underneath the hood and it's like oh mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah. um this is reality is it okay you've you've shown me your outside profile you've done your your window <laughs> dressing very nicely but then when i come in it's not so good so so yeah i think that's the key thing that period of mutual evaluation and that's where asking those questions how are you getting on here um mm-hmm rating the and, and doing a simple rating what is your experience of the company so far so so that's one um another one as well i think one of the the areas that doesn't always work very well is we're here to test you i'm going to test you um and i'm going to put you in situations and i'm going to assess you and and it's no you should be there to help the employee succeed um mm-hmm. So it's partnering with them, giving them development, giving them exposure to areas of the business to help them understand that culture and the way things are done. Um, So, yeah, so it always comes down to the power between employer, employee, and it's just shifting that, I think. Those are the the key flags, red flags that I always see and when probation is not done well. Yeah, it's it's definitely all about that uh, power dynamic. Like you said, I mean, uh, one thing about job interviews that I always heard was, well, I mean, until they make you the offer, they have all the power. And yeah. once they make you the offer, un- from until the moment you sign, then you have all the power. <laughs> but make sure you enjoy it because the second you sign it, you give it back to them. Yes. And that just, that sense of tug of war, that just... That doesn't feel healthy to me. That No, no. And that's the employment relationship, I know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, very much when I was looking for work um, two years ago, and that was the first time I'd actively looked for work in 10 years. So it was very how, different. How, what, how was that feeling? How was that feeling of just 10 years, same place, 
and now just looking for work. Yeah, it's and been, I'd always it's, it's been... It's been so long since you looked for work. Yeah, completely. And I'd always been on the other side of the table interviewing. So I was very known what's the best interview techniques and everything and interviewing candidates. So I knew that side. Then me being on the mm-hmm. candidate side, um, it was a very interesting experience. And I actually wrote um, a LinkedIn article on it. Uh-huh. I had to do a post of my experience some companies were great some not so great um because it's the power and I was very much I didn't know in my mind what type of role or company I wanted at that point so I was very much I'm interviewing you Mm -hmm. because I want to understand what you you are and what your company is and what the role is and it's always easier to decide what you don't want yes for what exactly you want and question after being on the other side for so long and then just seeing uh just going back to you know interviewing actually to get a job uh did the whole process uh make you do some like self-reflection and go oh maybe I should have done things differently yeah I I think Probably I should have had a bit more clarity as to what were my must-haves versus the uh-huh. nice-to-haves going into it. Um, but no, I did. I did have, have, I had some of that, but I didn't know what type of company and culture I was looking for. It was more around the role and I wanted um, breadth of HR across the employee life cycle and, and, and so on. Um yeah, I don't think anything else. I think you get to understand quite quickly through having a conversation as to what the culture is like in the organisation. So quite quickly, if I wasn't able to ask questions in a conversational mode, if it was only right at the end of mm-hmm. the interview, we've done 45 minutes, we have five minutes left for your questions. I'm like, mm, red flag, nah. yeah. Um, you've got all the power. I, I was here to interview you um, as well. So yeah, you can figure out quite quickly. Yeah, thank thank you so much. That whole, yeah, I think two of the things that just downright suck with job interviews is, uh, number one, where do you see yourself in five years? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully as a rock star, if not working <laughs> here, I guess. You know, that's, that's kind of where I go. But uh, the second thing is we can have, uh, if the interview is just an interrogation instead of just a conversation, yes. it's just a question, you know, a reaction on the part of the person being interviewed, and then another question, another answer, and then finally, towards the end, we're going, okay, well, do you have any questions for me? Like you said, it's no. it's not a conversation anymore. No, no. And some of the some of the interviews can feel very robotic. And I'm like, no, they have the their set of questions and I know I've developed them myself, competency-based questions and I need to be able to, but it was so rigid and stiff. And I was like, if this is the way you do your interviews, then I can only imagine how you deal with Ooh. your employees and the employee experience and the culture. So yeah, that for me, I was like, no, this company is, is, is not for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I mean, once you've actually like planned, once you've been in your position, uh, like so you know how the sausage is made. Right? That, that's yeah. kind of the thing. <laughs> you know what the interviewer is thinking when they were like planning those questions. 
when they're asking uh, when they're asking them. So uh, I feel like you would be able to just read the person interviewing you yeah. very well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I can see, and that's where when it's done well. I can see mm-hmm. they have their set questions. Of course they do. There's various things that you need to ask the candidate. You need to check that they've got the take a technical capability, whatever that's in. You need to check the values, the cultural fit and all that. Great. But they're interested in you. They're not just reading off a crib sheet. They're actually interested mm-hmm. and they're passionate about what they do as well. That ignites something else um, that yep. you're like, right, okay. And that gives you a... an an insight to the culture of not just that person but the organization yeah there's nothing quite like uh watching someone do their job and have fun doing it like be excited about it just show that passion doesn't have to be like incredible performance doesn't have to be just like an amazing job an amazing work but once when you see someone just really having a good time doing their job that can that can be really infectious yes and it can inspire you for sure yeah, same go same doesn't have to just go for recruiting even even like with members of a team if you have like a bunch of really high performers who are constantly turning in excellent work well one really excited and happy person can inspire the rest of the team a lot better than like those we're just pumping out great work yeah definitely and I think that's something that is forgotten when we talk about HR and people practices and processes and probation period and performance management and all that it comes down to what's the employee experience and how is this going to add value to the employee Mm -hmm. in the work that they are doing because typically HR type processes are seen as extra. It's like, well, I've got my job here. I need to go and do this and be an Mm -hmm. engineer or do my finance or do my IT and then, oh, probation over there, Um, where they shouldn't be seen as separate, but quite often HR processes are seen as separate because they're not adding value to the employee Mm -hmm. experience. Yeah, amen. Uh, Just recently I've been seeing uh, a lot of internet memes about personality hires and just the people who may not have like all the competencies, but they just bring a different aura to the workplace and they just make that place fun to work. And at the end of the day, it's all about people. It's all about, it's all about just people you're working with because you're going to be spending a lot of time with them. Yes. So it's, it's all about just, Finding the people who will enjoy working with each other. And uh, I mean, I'm loving this conversation, but I would hate myself if I didn't ask this because I caught this little tidbit as you were telling me your story. You said you were, uh, after you know you left the long job, you said you were climbing mountains and you just <laughs> snuck that by. <laughs> I climbed one mountain. I, I probably one said, mountain. Oh, okay. I, I did plural, but it was just one. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So what did we do? So I needed a holiday. I knew I wanted, right, uh-huh. holiday. Um, I go everywhere with my dog. 
Um, so we mm-hmm. stayed within the UK um, and we went to Wales. Um, I was actually born in Wales. So I was like, let's go there. Um, I moved away from there when I was five years old. So I was like, let's go back. Um, so me and my two sisters um, and our two dogs, we went and we decided we would climb Mount Snowdon. Okay. And how was the climb? Um, awful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I won't be doing it again. Um great experience um uh-huh. i would describe myself i'm quite fit i i work uh-huh. out i'm i run um climbing a mountain is something else um yeah and i realized as well the older i get the less i like heights oh. <laughs> so yeah no <laughs> yeah. i i can imagine uh, was was there any like technical climbing in there? Or was no, it just, no, no, no. Putting no. one foot in front of the other, but for a very long time. Yes, yeah. I think it was seven hours up and, and and down. Perfect oh. day. It was a perfect day. Uh-huh. Um, the sun was shining. Um, it wasn't too hot. Um, it was September. Um, so 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 a good time of of year, autumn. Um, yeah, but no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Never touching that thing again. No, no. <laughs> And yeah, again, uh, one last thing I have to touch upon, and it's, again, not HR related at all. Tell me about the dog. The dog. So my dog is called Lady. I'm a big Disney fan. So Lady and the Tramp. Um, Uh, uh, So is she a King Charles as well? No, she's not. She's a Springer Doodle. Okay. So a cross between a Springer Spaniel and a Poodle. um, But she has Mm -hmm. the same colouring um as mm-hmm. lady from, from from the films and sometimes she's a lady sometimes she's not um uh, sometimes she's very naughty um but yeah she's great um she's actually just recently qualified to be a therapy dog um oh hello so we are working with a local charity where we will go and hopefully educate school children so we'll be going into schools mm-hmm. but also then into residential care homes for the elderly mm-hmm. and into the university to make people smile that's that's beautiful i feel like uh my dog could just do the exact opposite <laughs> and just give your dog a lot of new cases to work on <laughs> Uh, so how how did you meet your dog? Um, so I never liked dogs. Um, mm-hmm. One, I was allergic. And two, when I was younger, there was always a dog next door that would jump up and I was scared. So I was scared mm-hmm. of dogs and I was allergic. Um, so I never intended to get a dog. Um, but then my sister got one. I realized how nice they can be, um, how much value they can add to your life. Um, and then one day an advert came up. There's a litter of puppies 10 minutes away. I was like, let's go and have a look. If you have, if you go and have a look at a puppy, you're probably going to be bringing one home. (laughs) Exactly. And and if you see a sign that says, hey, puppies for you to look at, you follow that sign. Yes. Yeah. So (laughs) it was a sign. And I very much believe in in, in karma and destiny. Mm -hmm. Um, So we went to see. um, And there she was, little lady straight away. It was her. Um, and then eight weeks later, she came home and we, she's four now. She's four years old and we do everything together. So, yeah, right? she's amazing. Yeah, I had I had I'm like a very similar story to you. 
Never wanted a dog. My girlfriend would always go, Emre, you should get a dog. You should get a dog. But it's not like we should get a dog. No, Emre, you should get a dog. <laughs> like, I mean, you're the one living in your own place. And yeah, you should get a dog. I'm not getting a dog. I mean, they, I mean, they're, they're a lot of work. They live their are. life. Just they all, are. all the stuff. There's no way I'm getting a dog. Until we're surfing one day and I meet, we meet a Jack Russell stranded on a beach. And I just figure, okay, like you're coming with me, but I'm definitely finding you a permanent mm -hmm. home. You're not staying. No way. But just, and I did find him a permanent home. And they said, okay, yeah, we'll pick him up in a month. Just but a whole month passes. And I said, yep, yep, find another dog. No, this one stays. Oh, so it was meant yeah. to be. You yeah, found it, it each was, other. Yeah, exactly. It was meant to be. And yeah. But so far, so good. He's like, he's like a part-time employee of Team Flect as well. Actually, he's yeah. like the mascot. So yeah, there you go. We, yeah. But dogs are very that. good, and something I've learned: the empathy and what dogs have, and just their pure nature. They don't judge. They don't mm -hmm. judge you. Yeah. Um. They just want to be happy. They want to please you. Um, yeah. And okay, can I relate that to HR? I, I can when I talk about employee <laughs> experience and everything. And it's like, well, yeah, I want to make you excited to come to work and, and, and things. You can relate some of the things of a, of a dog, but the pure essence of them as well is they don't play games. Uh, they won't deceive you and everything. It's like, here I am. They can't talk, but they'll tell you what they're feeling. And you can, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I mean, Rebecca, if you push hard enough, you can relate anything to you HR. can you can to be fair yes <laughs> but i agree with that with everything you said except for the part of dogs not judging you because every once in a while I, I i i don't know if you get it but if you get those looks but every once in a while especially when i'm home alone with the dog i you know what people do when they're home alone you do silly stuff i yeah. mean especially when i'm cooking i like to just uh, put on a messy tank top and pretend I'm working in a diner and calling out orders. First, <laughs> even if even if I'm alone, like even if I don't smoke, I'll I'll just pretend to have a cigarette. Just talk. <laughs> just it's just a little fun little ritual I have with myself. Yeah, and just smack dab in the middle of order six, I catch him sitting with his head tilted. Like, <laughs> What are you doing, human? What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> yeah, there okay. is some judgment. Lady doesn't like it um, if I'm cooking and sometimes like to put music on. If I dance and my dancing is terrible, she will literally come and bark at me and she doesn't bark very often. <laughs> stop. <laughs> that, that's your Don't dance. Stop, right? no, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep. See, oh. The second we start talking dogs, this could go for hours. Oh, it could. Just, it could. Yeah, immediately, you turn into those like one of those annoying old people with their grand, just showing you pictures yeah. and pictures of their grandkids. I mean, this we can. Okay, uh, the audience, we will spare you the rest yeah. of the dog. We'll have to do a dog themed podcast just on its own. Oh <laughs> my god! I'm, I'm I'm so down for doing a puppy episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Okay, done. That <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm loving that. But Rebecca, thank you so very much uh, for coming on the show. 
I will definitely link to your LinkedIn profile as well. I'm Perfect. sure uh, everything you write, I'm sure a lot of people will gain a lot just by reading them. Uh, this was just a beautiful conversation. I had a lot of fun chatting with you. And yeah, this has been the team check-in, everyone. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thanks very much. Bye.